Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. It is uh, John Barchard right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP with you till 10 o'clock. Amazingly enough, the Sixers keep running out of centers. Rashawn Holmes back to the locker room in pain, so now that means that Justin Harper... Newly signed Justin Harper is uh, from the D-League. Is hanging out, playing power forward with, with with Dario at the five. So, should be an interesting Sixers conversation. But right now, uh, from the EaglesWire.com, a lot, of, uh, a lot of us ask him for his draft analysis. I really just ask him for his bow tie analysis because he is rocking that each and every week uh, when I see him in the press box. Teron, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, what's going on, man? Uh, really eventful day to day, huh? Oof. I, I will see. I was. I'm, I'm leading up to this because uh, if you don't know, Teron Davenport has been on the John Ross train since October. He kept telling me. He kept telling the world. John Ross is the number one wide receiver in this class. Uh, he convinced me back in January. And what a day for you, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's. Hey, look. It's more importantly, it's a great day for him. Uh, that guy was able to cash in. You know, and. and He's someone that I, I've always felt that he was a first-round prospect. There is no way he makes it out of the first round now. So it's a great day for him. Now, I've kind of almost hinted and suggested that I don't even know if he makes it to the Eagles. Is the buzz around there kind of kind of the same? Or is that – and like I said, I know that injury history is there's the, the broken ankle as a freshman, the ACL and the meniscus, uh, you know, uh, uh, two years ago. And then he comes up a little limp on the 40th time. Does that, does that kind of knock him down out of the top 10? Or do you think there's a possibility that he could really go there? Really, it's just going to come down to, you know, how things check out after his surgery. But at the end of the day, speed kills and, and the league has a need for speed. So I, I don't think that he'll be a top 10 pick. But there are plenty of GMs and, and coaching staffs that understand the value of having a guy. Because now you put John Ross on the outside like that, immediately you're going to have that coverage over top. So that changes things. And that's really what you want, a guy who could impact the game. That's one of the things that is so good about Deshaun Jackson. When you look at the way he stretches the field, 
a lot of guys like Jordan Reed, Jameson Crowder, um, are able to operate underneath. So I think he he's going to be a high pick. I listen if if he's there at at fourteen, you know they're going to have to think long and hard about doing that. I, I've already said that I, I felt that you know Mike Williams, Corey Davis may be a better option for what they're looking for, but. You can't discount that that speed that he brings to the table. No, and especially if the you know, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Those the rumors about Brandon Cooks. Obviously, they're looking for speed. They're looking for a dynamic playmaker. You know, and and just as as you and I know very well that John Ross is is not is not just speed either. I mean, the footwork, the the, the ability to just to shake somebody off on a slant. Like those are you know, people try to keep uh, to pigeonhole him into this straight speed guy, but he really is. Uh, an all-around receiver, right, Teron? Oh, yeah, 100%. He is probably – probably uh, I'm just kind of going through some guys I can think of. No, You know, he is obviously the fastest guy in, in this draft class, but he's probably the best at getting off the line just as far as the release, the, the things that he's able to do. Uh, you look at some of his film, uh, the way that he's able to create space when it's not there. I mean, he's naturally going to have some space because corners are going to play off him, but – this is a guy, if you come up and jam him, his footwork is there. The way he gets off the line, you know, he doesn't have to be the biggest physical guy, but he can win with quickness. And that's the thing a lot of people don't understand about his game. And uh, I was talking with the guys that are working him out. He has an awesome crew there. These are the same guys who, I'm not going to say built Deshaun Jackson, but these were the same guys who, you know, went into the whole grooming of Deshaun into the, the threat that he became when he first came into the league. So uh, when you look at our Irv Booker, a guy who, who's worked with numerous receivers, you know, um, on the release and, and the way that he's able to have that quickness at the line, that's going to allow him to beat press coverage if someone should dare press him. You know, I, I don't <laughs> think it's a smart idea, but, you know, you look at that, you look at the things that you could do with them, uh, the jet sweeps, you could do the, the wide receiver screens. He's a guy that is willing to go across the middle um, he he's he has no fear, you know, and that's the thing I really like about him. He'll jump up and, and make that catch even in the middle of the field. So those are things that he really brings to the table. It's, it's, he's a great guy to watch. Yeah, and definitely if uh, if if you're still kind of new to him, definitely go watch. Uh, even if it's just highlights, uh, you will you will see exactly what kind of Tehran is talking about there. Uh, and uh, you know, we we saw a couple of official Eagles visits, uh, which which is good and it's exciting. Um, is there anybody else down there that uh, that kind of caught your eye that has been linked to, linked to the Eagles in the past 24 hours here? Yeah, I mean, there there are a lot of guys. You know, I wrote about the receivers. There's a good six or seven receivers that you know they've had informal or formal with. John Ross was one of them. Uh, Carlos Henderson is another guy, a former teammate of Paul Turner at Louisiana Tech. But really, what has caught my eye, I have to say, and <laughs> I know he's not linked to the Eagles, but I, I think Deshaun Watson, what he did today was, was awesome. He Phenomenal, right? Well. Yeah, and, and I don't mean to get off topic, but I, I really think that it has to be pointed out how he did. I mean, he was able to push the ball outside the numbers, you know, after taking that five-step drop, which is something that a lot of spread quarterbacks aren't able to do as easily as he did. He was comfortable, unfazed, and I think he was the best-looking quarterback today. Uh, so, I, you know, I just wanted to, to shout what that out. Were you saying out. Mitchell Trubisky has, uh, <laughs> has got his work, work cut, out, cut out for him here? Oh, yeah. I mean, he has his work cut out. But uh, Trubisky threw the ball well, too, now. It, yeah. You know, he, he showed, you know, that, that the footwork is there. He's a polished quarterback, even though he's only had 
you know, uh, one year uh, under his belt. But he definitely showed that the talent is there for him. I just don't think he's better than Watson. Uh, and uh, yesterday where he saw a, a lot of different kind of running backs go uh, go through, we saw some more today. Uh, and what, I, what impressed you the most kind of out of that class? We were talking about Christian McCaffrey. Uh, that stands out to, to me the most as far as a workout and turning that in as one of the most impressive ones that were down there. But uh, running back-wise, where, where do you see – uh, the most impressive guys throughout uh, the the past couple of days here. Well, I, I think uh, McCaffrey showed what what he could do. Mike Mayock uh, talked afterwards uh, uh, about that. He said that you know they had him line up at receiver and, and run some routes from the slot, and they had him work a little bit in the return game. But you know that he was really excited with how McCaffrey looked from the slot position catching the football. So uh, that's something that, that definitely has to stand out. But, you know, for me, when I look at the guys, I, I think, you know, it, it goes back to a guy that, that I've consistently, you know, felt uh, was a really good running back, and that's Jamal Williams. And just watching what he was able to do, you know, at, at 215 pounds, he was able to move. He caught the ball well in, in the drills. He didn't run the fastest time, but, I mean, he ran a good enough time. I, I think he was in like the 4-5 or five range. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the official one was. But still, to, to go out and, and do what he did, I, I think he reinforced how he's a guy that you don't have to take off the field. He's a three-down back. So he definitely stood out. Um, a little disappointed in, in some of the times that, that some of the guys ran. But, you know, at the same time, you have to understand that it's not underwear Olympics every Sunday. You know, <laughs> these guys are going to play football, and that's what you're drafting them to do. Yeah, and and that's what we were basically talking about too. Is just like I think it, I think it swings too much on days like today, where and, and you know you you say this a lot too, where it's just it, it shows something, it just don't, doesn't show everything. The combine still matters. These these numbers still matter. So when I look at oh, yeah. and I know that we've had debates on Cooper Cup here for a long time. When I look at twenty four, when I look at a forty that's that that says and completely reading out four six seven. Uh, I, I'm not exactly too high on that. I'm not going to say, oh, okay, that doesn't really matter. He'll still play. I still see a lot of guys that I respect, including yourself, saying it doesn't matter that much. But th- didn't that really help hurt his stock going into this thing? Well, I, I mean, I don't want to say it hurt his stock. It, it didn't help. But at the same time, you have to remember what you're drafting these guys to do. You know, you're not drafting a, a, a guy in, in James Conner to be someone that you give the ball to on a stretch play and expect him to get outside and, and outrun everybody to the end zone. You're giving him the football because you want him to get those hard, tough yards. You know, a Wayne Gallman, he's, he's, he was in, I think, the 4-5 or five range as well, 4-6, something uh, near there. But he's not a guy that you're giving the football to and asking him to, to break off a, a long run for you. You know, he's the guy that, that you're giving a football to to get the positive yards that he always gets. I mean, the guy always falls forward. So it, it's something, yeah, I mean, you you if you have a guy that, that you know, you, you're expecting to be a home run threat, then you're not going to, you know, look at him because of his 40 time. But if you have a guy that you just want to be your down-to-down back, you know, that, that – three yards cloud of dust to use that, that phrase type of running back. You don't really key in on, on the 40 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the same with the, you know, we, where I was uh, talking about uh, Leonard Fournette too, in the same way. And the, you know, so you shouldn't get shocked by the, 
the vertical, it's not his game. You know, he's that north and south runner guy. The same that if you had a West Coast offense, that you're probably going to go more Dalvin Cook. You're going to look for those kind of different guys that are down there. A, a, a couple of um, other quick ones here for you, Teron, before I let you go. And uh, the first one being is, is what are you looking forward to, I guess, tomorrow? You've got a lot of linemen. You've got the pass rushers going. you got a lot of D, D linemen. What are you looking for in that group? Who's Who's got to try and impress you or just, you know, confirm what you're looking on tape there? Well, there's three guys that I really like. Um, Alex Anzalone, the, the kid out of wide missing. Um, he's someone that, you know, I'm looking forward to watching him in the drills. I, I think he's just a, he's a football player, you know, but he is athletic as well. He has some size with him. So I'm looking forward to watching him. Um, another guy, Jayon Brown out of UCLA. No one's really talking about him, but. He's a very athletic kid. He, he bulked up to, I think, uh, 230 pounds, sideline-to-sideline side type of uh, linebacker. Uh, he's someone that, that could come in and, and be a guy to help them out in coverage. You know, he could challenge Nigel Bradham or Jordan Hicks uh, for some time in the nickel package. I mean, it would be a, a really hard thing to, to do to surpass those guys and, and get time, but it, he could definitely push them. And then you look at a guy like a Zach Cunningham out of Vanderbilt, another one of those guys that, that are built to cover the tight ends, you, you know, the bigger receivers. So th- that's something that you could see. Um, trying to think who else. Uh, Duke Riley, he actually, uh, I talked to him, and uh, he had a former with the Eagles, and he, he talked about just his relationship with, with Jalen Mills, you know, fellow LSU kids. And uh, he's someone that really just, just came into LSU, excelled on special teams, but then made his way into the starting lineup. He played in a 3-4 or 4-3, and a very nicely built kid. You know, um, he could definitely fit into the the Eagles' defense, and he would be someone that, you know, they could use in in place of Michael Kendrick if somehow they're they're able to deal him or if he's not back. So those are some guys that I'll be looking at. Um, I want to see Tano, too, uh, passing you. I want to see him, you know, at at the defensive end position. Yeah, local kid from Villanova, absolutely. Yeah, local. So, you know, he measured in just short of 6'7". Uh, I just want to sh- see him show his athleticism in the drill. So there's some guys, and, and, and for these uh, times tomorrow, you know, don't really focus on the overall 40. Focus on that 10-yard that split because mm-hmm. that's going to be the one that shows you the explosion and, and w- what you see these guys. And also match that up to the broad jump. You know, match it up to the, to the uh, uh, vertical as well because that's showing you the, the guy's ability to – generate a whole lot of speed quickly and in a short amount of uh, space. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Teron Davenport from the, the EaglesWire.com. Uh, just cl- a quick last one because I know you were very high on him. And he's, you're probably one of the only guys that I know that was talking about him. Joe Williams today turned in a pretty impressive 40 time as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, the running back from Utah. What What is it that impresses you the most about a guy like Joe Williams? You know, honestly, there's nothing that doesn't impress me about him. Um, his size is there, you know, 5'10", 5'11", five, five, uh, 205. Uh, he ran a 4'4", four, 1". And the, the thing I like is just the mindset, you know. And nothing is going to phase this kid because of what he's gone through. We've talked about that at length. And uh, he really understands, you know, he's mature. And then when you watch him run, he runs with some power now. You know, he's a guy that, that you could run inside. He's a guy that you could run that stretch that, that we talked about earlier. You know, he is that guy. That's that's what you do with him. You give him the ball, try to get him outside, and, and you know, allow him to get to that second level and, and get gone. You know, that's that's what he's able to do. So I really like him. He caught the ball well out of the backfield. 
It's something that he did at the Shrine Week as well. So, you know, Joe Williams is, is a, a value pick for somebody. They're going to get a guy that, you know, uh, can help you out in, in a lot of facets. I mean, obviously with his size, he may not be the best at picking up that, that blitzing linebacker. But, I mean, you know, nobody's perfect. <laughs> exactly right. And, uh, uh, yeah, again, he's a semi-local kid as well. He's uh, up there in Allentown. Allentown. That's right. Yeah. So. Uh, well, it'd be uh, it'd be a very interesting couple of days, and hopefully it is just as entertaining. Teron, we appreciate it, my friend. Thank you so much. No problem. Anytime. You know it. 94 WIP HD 1 Philadelphia. Live from the Tasty Cake Studios. Angelo Cataldi mornings. Chris Carlin and Ike Reese afternoons. Jody Camera and John Ritchie middays. The best team to talk Philly sports is on Sports Radio 94 WIP. No matter what time of day, no matter where you're at, if it's the NFL Combine, someone will remind you that Jerry Rice ran a slow 40 time and you shouldn't bother with it. So my man Eric was chiming in here on the Twitter.com. By the way, you can follow me there at John Barchard, who does Sports Radio 94 WIP, and I'm here with you till 10 o'clock. Got uh, Ben Natan, the Ben Natan, coming uh, from uh, Bleeding Green Nation, lead draft writer. Going to talk a little more combine, get a little more in-depth with that as well. But my man Eric here, at E-M-I-H-A-L-Y-I, informs me. He goes, by the way, Rice's uh, combine 40 time was actually a 4.59 and a 4.53 at Pro Day. Which only makes the argument worse. <laughs> he actually ran faster, dude. Yes, okay, great. So if it wasn't a 4.71 like it's been misreported for a long time and he ran two tenths Faster, that's a huge difference in times. And uh, and trust me, I get it. I understand. I understand everything about this. We want to love the players that we want to love. We desperately want Cooper Cup to cuddle up next to us and find a nice warm blanket, and we can feel really, really good about it. He's got some really sexy blonde hair, and, man, we want to feel awesome. But unfortunately, he is what he is, and that's okay, too. You know, when when we go through a lot of these different, I mean, a, a ton of different stock doesn't change. You're always going to go back to the tape on all of these guys that we're seeing this weekend and into the extended weekend. And it's fun. It's exciting. You know, you, you want to make sure that, hey, guys like it, 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 Zay Jones doesn't look like there's a ton of separation. Oh, but he runs a 4-5, four, 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 excuse me, a 4-5, 440. Or a 4-4, four, four, 540. See, the fives and the fours and Maybe, maybe. See, I just I pr- uh, proved my own point, I guess, or unproved it by screwing up a bunch of numbers back to back there, which I'm very much known for. But regardless, Say Jones doesn't get a lot of separation on the outside, right? It's what a lot of his tape shows. Then you go and de- little dig a little deeper, be like, okay, yes, but he, most of the time he wins. He wins even though he doesn't get a ton of separation. So maybe you slide him back over into that slot position, and then you have a debate about. Well, are you really going to take Cooper Cup earlier because of his hands are, are, are really great? But you still have this a, a guy that's a lot taller, a lot younger, and a little more athletic, and a guy like Zay Jones. And if you stick him in the slot, well, he's going to win all over the place. I look at a guy like that and just think, well, that's kind of an, an improvement on, on Jordan Matthews. So we're talking about that a lot. Is there anything in the draft or any kind of combined rumors or combined narratives that we are constantly stuck with over and over again? That just absolutely annoy you because the Jerry Rice, the Anquan Bolden 40 times that constantly get quoted at you, 
like it's a, it, it, as one of the biggest massive outliers that are there, I hate it. I hate it so much. 888-729-9494, uh, pound 9494 on your Verizon and AT&T cell phones. I'm also asking, what is it that you're comfortable giving up for Brandon Cooks? What is it exactly that is going to make you, okay, I'm, I'm okay with this. Because everybody, for the most part right now, is saying, second-round pick, I feel good with that. The Saints will probably accept that. I, I, I don't know anymore. Uh, and I, I don't really understand, like, <laughs> that, that, you know, it, because I, I think they would just rather let him walk at that point and try and improve their team or don't sign that, that $8.5 million option that he has hanging out there in 2018. I don't know. But there's definitely a, a large game going on here. Oh, and our, our good friend Mike is, is chiming in right now. And uh, <laughs> imagine this, Titus. The, uh, the, the wars are uh, in the media are going back and forth. At uh, Boston underscore sucks, which is probably one of the best handles on the planet. Saints now leaking out that the Pats offered their first rounder for Cooks uh, to con- kind of continue the leverage in, uh, <laughs> against Howie here. Now, the Patriots won the Super Bowl, so that's essentially a second-round pick anyway, right? See, my whole thing with this is, and, and I was just thinking about it, is the reason why there's a hesitation is because of the whole Eric Rowe thing. I think people are looking at it like, if we make a deal, are we going to get burned for it? And now that you mentioned the Patriots, that's what sparked my memory again and said, <laughs> yes, I don't want any moves where I feel like the Eagles might be losing out on something. And and that would that would semi get in there, you know, because then you got to start wondering. It's like, well, obviously the Patriots. They, who cares? They won the Super Bowl. That's there. There's going to be nobody at 32 that's going to be like, eh, he's definitely go. Got to got to have him. <laughs> Brandon Cooks. Like then you then you start getting into insane territory. So that now there's a nice little game playing here. So if the, let's just say that's true, it's probably not true. Because it's rumor mill, and everybody's down at the combine. This is this is the winter meetings of baseball that's happening in football. That's why the combine is very important too. It's because all these guys get in a room and they start finally talking about all this stuff. So the Patriots, let's say that's a real offer, and it's the first rounder. Now your second rounder's out. Are you willing to go up and say to the Saints, "I've got fifteen spots, sixteen spots that are higher. We'll take Brandon Cooks every answer for pick 14. Because, again, we go back and we think about, okay, what was around there? What was around there with the Eagles and what hit? Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin was outside the top 15, and that worked out really well. That was also in 2009. And then we go back and we're like, okay, well, there's got to be something before that. And there really isn't. There's a fireman from Canada, a couple of decent players. There's, and we, we, all, we all know what's, what's coming in front. I'm not even going to mention the last two names. Because we we know what happened in 2015. We know what happened last year. We know what happened, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on. The the last time that you felt good about a first-round pick was last year with Carson Wentz, where they dumped a lot of resources into their quarterback and Fletcher Cox. And, you know, and it's the same thing, too, where I I am either on, if you're going to stand put, if you really don't want to give up 14 for Brandon Cooks, then your ass better be moving up in this draft. I will not accept whatever falls there. I'm not going to be in the scenario where it's just like, yeah, we'll just take whatever's on the board and whatever we feel comfortable with. 
No way. You can't do that. You can't do that. You're still on the bubble. They thought that last season, too. That's why they're like, I'm at 13. This isn't really going to work. Let's go get our quarterback. Let's see if we can get up to eight. Let's see what we can do. They're in the same scenario once again. Sorry, but seven and nine doesn't help your football team. Six and 10 would have. Five and 11 would have. When you're trying to build a team, when you're trying to do this thing, and and that's kind of the way they semi-screwed up last year. They did a lot of right things. And they did a lot of wrong things, a lot of small wrong things to kind of lead to this point, too. Ruben Randall, Chris Givens, that didn't really work out. Nelson Aguilar, not exactly Howie's fault. But they didn't replace anybody. They didn't find anybody for their young quarterback that they just invested a lot of picks in, which now, by the way, after the compensatory picks come out and you have an extra fourth-rounder from the Browns, you move up one spot because of the coin flip. They, they invested little to nothing for their for a, friend, a potential franchise quarterback. That you should be very happy about. But you should still use some of that stock that you have right now. And if you're not going to trade for Brandon Cooks, you need to move up in this draft and guarantee yourself a playmaker. And I don't care who it is on either side of the ball. You're going to need them. You're going to need Carl Lawson. You're going to need O.J. Howard. You're going to need Lattimore. You're going to need (laughs) whatever it is. John Ross, you're going to need something like that that will change the way your offense or defense runs. And if you're going to tell me that that's worth the risk of just staying put over taking a proven NFL player, who, again, those aren't made-up cuckoo stats. That's 1,100 yards every single year that he's been in the NFL. I know it's just been two. And plus, like, he's a guy that's that's in there returning punts and returning kicks, which you're going to need to replace at some point when Darren Sproles leaves next season. And sure, you could find some fun little players like a, a Pumphrey or something like that in the fourth or fifth round and have him be in that role, a Ryan Switzer or whatever. They're not going to be as fast, and they're not going to be as explosive as Brandon Cooks. They won't. Because we say 20 touchdowns, 17 of those were reception touchdowns. Three of them were on special teams. A dynamic playmaker on two facets of this game. So if the Patriots are really kind of dangling this thing out, man, there's no question in my mind that you have to pull the trigger right now. Don't even don't even worry about anything else. That March 9th thing comes around. I don't care if the, the draft is in Philly. That's something to celebrate, Titus. That's that's what you I mean there is There's no two ways about this thing. They need a playmaker that's a guaranteed playmaker. Go get him. I agree. I I think at this point in time, you've sold me. So congratulations. If this doesn't (laughs) turn out well, I blame you. But from what I'm reading of the situation. Oh, yeah. Update us on this thing. It it, it just seems as though you have to make this move. I mean, we we went into the offseason. The number one thing that we saw throughout this year was outside of Lane Johnson not knowing when or uh, when not to use the juice, uh, the biggest problem that the Eagles had was wide receiver, was the ability to catch the ball, was the ability to stretch the field. If you go back to this season, even if Lane Johnson is missing, just having a receiver that's competent in regards to catching the ball, stretching the field, this team could have pulled off maybe two, three, four more wins. And who knows? 
So I, I look at it like get that guy in. He's young. Uh, you can worry about the contract when it, when it comes up. Don't lie to him. Be very honest with him about the whole contract situation. Uh, start packaging some guys. The, yeah. the Vinny Curry's on the team. The oh, Jason Kelsey. <laughs> I would you you have to. Look, yeah. I, I would find a way to package a, a Vinnie Curry and a first-round draft pick to get uh, Cooks on this squad. That way you don't have to deal with that contract, and then you can re-up Cooks and then worry about other positions going into the draft, getting a pass rusher or, or, or doing something else. But you sold me. I don't know how you did it, John, but you did. Well, I got to tell you, this isn't just fluff either. Now that I'm, I'm, I'm digging a little deeper here on the Twitter.com. And I want to know, are you comfortable now? This is this looks like it's it's a for real thing. I know that Mike, who tweeted at me at Boston underscore sucks, was saying, "Ah, this is a little little game they're playing here." I don't think so, man. I think the Patriots are dead dead set serious on getting a guy like Brandon Cooks because they too are a wide receiver needy team. They too are doing this. This is coming from uh, Josh Kazenstein or Stein. I apologize. He's a, a beat writer down at the Saints for the Times. And he's reporting that, you know, Mickey Loomis and coach Sean Payton have acknowledged that the team would, you know, need a significant return. Uh, according to him, per team and league source, that the Patriots have locked in their 32 overall pick as part of the package. But it wasn't enough. It was not enough for 23-year-old Cooks per both sources. Other teams involved have tried to inquire about, you know, Cooks for a second-round pick. So that sounds like, and I know this, you're, you're playing this game with this, but I, here, here's what I know about Saints beats writers. They don't get fed anything. <laughs> nothing. Nothing from them. Sean Payne doesn't go, hey, buddy, throw this old thing out out there a lot of the time for whatever reason. They're very anti-blogger. They're very anti-everything down there. Sean Payton freaking hates things that leak out like this. So I would, I would lean, this is less of a media fight that's going back and forth here, and I would definitely say that that has... A ton of legs. All right, let's go back to the phones. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your Verizon and AT&T cell phones. Let's go to Tom, buddy. What's going on, man? How are you tonight? Good, guys. Enjoying the show. Thanks, man. Uh, hey, look, I, I just got to disagree with you. I, I think moving up in the draft, it's not like last year with Wentz. There's going to be players there. You're talking about getting a playmaker at 14. Mm-hmm. There's going to be plenty of guys there. Any of those guys you mentioned, Ross ran that 40 today. He might have moved up. You got Williams. You got Davis. If anything, you grab a corner, you need defensive help. But if you're if you're set on getting an offensive player, I would trade down. There's a guy by the name of Curtis Samuel out of Ohio State. Love him. Absolutely. today. You Phenomenal. Can pick him up, you can pick him up later in the first round, pick up an extra pick. The, uh, the, the big name everybody's hearing is Zay Jones. Zay Jones, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I look yeah. at him as more uh, second round. Yeah, Zay Jones. Second round, but there's your playmaker. You can pick him up, move back, get yeah, him, I don't know if he's pick that, him up in the second round. I don't know if he's that kind of playmaker. Who, I don't know who you're talking about moving up to get in the first round. I'm saying, and and, and, and you make some good points, Tom. I'm not saying that like they absolutely have to do that. I'm just saying that most of the guys that we have in mind that are game changers are probably going to be right around 10, 11, 12. Like, that's that's kind of the, <laughs> the bell cow where it goes. Unless, unless... There are three quarterbacks that somehow magically go in there and pushes those guys down. So there's that, too. I just have a feeling when you're talking about guys like O.J. Howard or Lattimore or some of those top-tier uh, you know, DBs or so, some of those other different playmakers that could really come in and help this football team, probably still going to be gone at 14, you know? So I think they still need to come up with, with something 
uh, whether it's you know jumping up to 13 or 12 or somewhere around there to ensure that they have one of those guys. I hear what you're saying, but you touched on it real well just now. You know those quarterbacks, those teams are going to get antsy. Look at San Francisco. They don't even have a quarterback. Yeah. You got the Browns, they need to get one. Mm-hmm. There's guaranteed at least two quarterbacks to go that aren't going to be top 14 players. So that is, that's going to bump two players down. But I'm telling you, out of the guys you mentioned, I can guarantee, I can bet you a cheesesteak or a corporate pie, <laughs> I guarantee they'll be there um, at 14. And, and I'm all about trading up. If you see a guy you want, go get him. Make a splash. The draft is in Philly. But I'm telling you, you did say you absolutely have to move up. No, no, no. So, so Tom, I'm, just just to clarify my point, I'm saying if you don't decide that Brandon Cooks is worth 14, you better ensure that you get a playmaker that can help right away. You know, yeah, we, you I, can't screw around anymore. You can't have a first-round pick just kind of sit there. You need him to come in and impact and play immediately. Right, I agree with you. I just – I like Brandon Cooks. I, I wouldn't give a, a one for him. Granted, how he said – Ah, you know, these, these receivers are not going to step in and play. Right. You know, 14 was, you know, a mirage. How he's selling stuff here. Yeah, yeah. no, I, 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 I agree, Tom. I think that there's there's some of that, too. It's it's draft time. And the same the same way that he was selling that this team doesn't need Band-Aids or whatever that's going through there. We, we all know that it's it's GMs. If we've learned anything from Brian Colangelo, <laughs> everybody lies. We know that. We know that. So I'm not taking it for for everything that he's worth that he says, and neither should, neither should anybody. I, I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, still, it, it worries me that they're still going to select that wide receiver and wah, 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 wah. can't go through that again this year. Cannot do that with this rookie quarterback because this. I do agree with some people. Year two for any NFL player, <laughs> that's it. That's 95% of what they're going to be for the rest of the time that they're here. You can still develop. There's still that 5%, 10% that kind of rose through here. You need to ensure that you start building this team. You know, and I understand the preaching patience, like one thing at a time, but you got to give me something here. You got to give us something as a fan base that you can put your hat on and say, this guy's going to contribute right away. And I'm still, I'm still a little uneasy back and forth that they're going to be there 14, 15. But I do agree with Tom. If, you know, if there's, there's those top two quarterbacks that go, it'll make things a lot easier going down there. Let's go to Lewis in West Philly. Lewis, what's going on, bud? Hey, how you doing, man? Definitely enjoying the show. Thanks, man. Definitely wanted to give a call in and make a comment on two things that uh, you were talking about. Um, one being uh, the trading for Brandon Cooks. I don't think straight up a one for Brandon Cooks. I don't think that's. I think we lose on that end simply because at that point we you kind of give the, the the Saints way too much firepower um, and assets in the draft. Um, I think if we were going to give up our one for Brandon Cooks, we would have to give them a one and one of those Vinnie Curry-type players, and they would have to give us a second or a third along with Brandon Cooks. Like, we can't just give them the one for Brandon. I don't really think that's – I don't even think that's like a – I don't even think that's like – Well, okay, so let's, let's, we let's go with that, Lewis. Let's just say that um, they go, okay, we want the one, but we'll kick you back a five. You in? Uh, I'm in. <laughs> I, would, I think the I think the lowest I I think the lowest I would go for is a four. I think if they were like, "Well, we'll take the one, we'll kick you back a four, and Brandon Cooks," I think I think I could live with that, um, especially if they took one of the players off our hands because that frees up some more cap space for us to eventually have to sign Brandon Cooks, which ha- which we would have to do anyway. And I, I um, Lewis, I will admit, like I know I'm trying to sell this thing real hard in the back of my head. I know that's an overpayment for Cooks, 
but I also mm-hmm. know that guarantees me a playmaker at the same That's time. Very true. You, you know, so so it's I, I have a hard time saying no to it, even though I know it's a slight overpayment. The only other thing I wanted to say was I don't think we should trade back. Um, what Never. you were talking about as far as the Eagles left. Um, well, with, with right now, right. Um, as far as what you were talking about with the Eagles uh, draft history, we actually, for the past few years, have a pretty good pick history with anything above 20. Um, I'm not sure how many years back, but if I want to say for at least the last, like, eight-ish drafts, yeah, so so it, yeah, if they're 20. in yeah, so Lane Johnson, we obviously know that was in the top four. Then you have uh Fletcher Cox, that was thirteen. Yeah, above there, it's I'm just saying it's right on that borderline again. You yeah, know? And if they lost the is. if they lost the coin flip, we we would, you know, I know it's arbitrary, but uh yeah. yeah and, and I appreciate the call, Lewis. Thanks, but we'll get into a lot of that because I have a very big philosophy on never trading back. I hate trading back unless it makes complete sense. Let's go to our own Sue Schilling for a quick sports radio ninety four WIP update. WIP HD1 Philadelphia. Live from the Tasty Cake Studios. Angelo Cataldi mornings. Chris Carlin and Ike Reese afternoons. Jody Camera and John Ritchie middays. The best team to talk Philly sports is on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Uh, he's your favorite ginger and mine. I'm not talking about Carson Wentz. I'm talking about Ben Natana. Can follow him at the Benetton, just like the Ohio State University. Yes, he is that egotistical that he has to put the the in front of his name. Uh, but we love him nonetheless. And he's here to tell me about uh, well, lots of things about the NFL Combine. Plus, I want to get his thoughts on this whole Brandon Cooks thing. Uh, ben, what has happened, my friend? Welcome to the show, sir. Hi, I'm happy to be on. How you doing, John? Good. Uh, Benetton is, uh, of course, from uh, BleedingGreenNation.com. He's one of the best. NFL uh, draft writers that is out there just don't read the comments because for some reason, uh, you know, everybody hates him, which is why actually with the, he has created his own T-shirt. Uh, I hate Ben Natan, which is fantastic. You can go check that out at uh, tpublic.com slash BGN radio. But Ben, let me, let me get into this thing about, uh, about this Cooks thing. Cause I've been, we've been talking about this for a long time here. I know that you are huge Carl Lawson fan. I know that there is a lot of different things that we've talked about and we've thought about and, written about <laughs> about what's going to happen around 14-15. Eagles finally solidify that they're in that 14th pick. Is is that too much for Brandon Cooks if they do decide to give that up? Now, I was a little iffy on this the other day, and we actually had a conversation about this, and it got me thinking, I mean, how many players are you getting at the 14th pick in this draft who can impact your football team the way Brandon Cooks can? And that's a question I kind of asked myself over and over and over again. And then after this combine, after you have the whole John Ross thing going on in the combine, I mean, we're not getting John Ross at 14. <laughs> no, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're not, you're not getting Corey. I mean, there's a very, there's very low chance you're getting Corey Davis at 14. So if Howie Roseman says, I need to get this team an impact wide receiver who can come in day one and help Carson Wentz out. Look, man, Brandon Cooks is 23 years old. He doesn't turn 24 until September. He's 23 years old. He already has two 1,000-yard seasons under his belt. He's one of the most productive receivers in NFL history at the age of 23. Trade that pick. I, you know, I've been thinking about it. You trade that pick. You yes. add a guy who's an athlete. You add a guy who, who's a vertical element to your offense. And by adding Brandon Cooks, by adding one of the better deep threats in the NFL to your team, you make Jordan Matthews better. You make Zach Ertz better. You you open up a defense, and it makes it easier for your run game to operate. So 
after much thought, I'd be I'd be okay with that with that Brandon Cooks uh, trade if they traded fourteen for him. Yeah, and and that's why I've, I I think we've kind of reached that same conclusion. And I and I don't know is it is it because of and, and we've had a couple of calls in in, in, in uh, the mighty E Rock who who I love dearly was just telling me about this is that you know there, there's the money situation that would come up in a couple of years, and you're talking about a market that's pretty healthy right now. Antonio Brown sets it at seventeen million dollars. It's probably going to go up there. Is that concerning at all to to also give up that first round pick? Plus, you're going to have to turn around and pay this dude a pretty handsome, uh, you know, uh, the amount of money in, after two years. There, my argument is: well, you have to pay good players, and and that's okay. And if you end up having to pay him that much money, uh, then then things are going well. But wh- where does that risk lie for you? That it's only two years, and w- what if things go south? You know, what what happens then? Um, I, I don't really think it's that big of an issue. I think that when you see a lot of these teams winning in the NFL, a lot of them are trying to win on their quarterback's rookie deal. And that's something that the Eagles really need to think about. I mean, you're paying good players while your quarterback is still on his rookie deal and while you have that advantage with, with Carson Wentz for the next couple of years, you, you bring in players like that. And like you said, if you have to pay Brandon Cooks that money two years down the line, that means he's continuing to be the dynamic player he is right now, which is a very good problem for the Eagles to have. And even then you're getting a two year rental on a super, super good player on his rookie contract. So it's kind of a win-win for the team. I don't think you're seeing a lot of production out of rookies um, the way that you would get from Brandon cook. So it's almost like you're drafting. I mean, with, at a 20, at 23 years old, it's almost like you're drafting Brandon cooks as a pro ready mm-hmm. uh, deep threat for your team. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's how I, that's what I keep coming back to. And I don't so so from your perspective, because I know Ben is a notoriously humongous Corey Davis fan. That was that was his number one train. Obviously, uh, a John Ross fan, just like Tehran was too. And uh, both of those brands had, or at least the John Ross brand, had a very very good day today. But where would you rank Brandon Cooks in this draft right now, if you had to? If I had to rank him as a prospect, or I have to rank him as a pro? As a, as a pro, and he was in this draft class. Where would you put him? What I'm saying I, is basically, would he be better, you know, a better option than Corey Davis right now and moving forward? I would say yes. I think that, you know, with Corey Davis, there's still some questions about translation coming from the MAC to the NFL. You know, I love Corey Davis. He's one of the better wide receivers I've looked at in the past couple of years. But just with that whole translation thing, you're wondering how it's going to be coming from the MAC, dealing with those level of cornerbacks and immediately coming to the NFL. In terms of in terms of immediate translation, which is what this team needs for its wide receivers, you can't bring in a wide receiver and just kind of let him, you know, ease into it. They they need an impact guy now, and and that's why I think Brandon Cooks would be the number one player, um, you know, over Corey Davis, over John Ross in this situation. Excellent. And that's not really any slight on them. It really just has to do with how good of he is absolutely well let's let's stick with that too uh, so thank you for selling <laughs> along with me that that might be the right move here what uh what is it that's something today that really kind of st- stuck out for you i know i know that john ross is uh, we've been talking about it for all show a lot of people have been talking about it all day is that the number one thing that kind of stood out to you or, or what were some of the other things that were great uh, that you noticed about the combine today well, you know, I've been thinking about John Ross's 40-yard dash all day, and, and frankly, it makes my hamstrings want to fall off. Um, but besides that, something that really surprised me was, was Zay Jones out of East Carolina. And uh, Zay Jones is a guy, he set the record last year or this past season for most receptions in a year, and he was getting a lot of hype, especially after the Senior Bowl. 
And on tape, you see a guy who's catching a lot of a lot of screen passes, a lot of drag routes, a lot of slants, a lot of contested catches. You're not seeing a lot of separation on tape, um, and you're not really seeing a super dynamic player after the catch. So I was I was pretty low on him coming into the combine, and I honestly did not think of him as being a really top level athlete. But here he comes in, he runs four four five, he posts uh, you know over eleven eleven feet in the broad jump, but you know a four four point oh one. 20 yard shuttle. I mean, he is, he was a, he was a workout warrior today. And that makes me want to go back and, and, and watch him because he, he had this production. Now he's this level of an athlete. He has NFL bloodlines. Um, you know, where, where did I get that mixed up? And I think a big part of it might've been quarterback play that was holding him back. You know, he wasn't able to get a lot of separation because on tape, it just looked like he, he was uh, running with the cornerback because his quarterback was throwing under throwing balls and, just the way that they basically used him as an extension of the run game. He was catching a lot of those dink and dunk passes just to get those like three or four yard gains for the team because they weren't really running the football. Um, so Zay Jones really surprised me and, and made me want to go back. And, and another guy I want to take a closer look at is Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. you know, the Penn State wide receiver is a favorite of a lot of uh, a lot of BGN commenters, and they felt very slighted um, <laughs> when I yeah, very slighted individual, you know, when I, I didn't give him the proper due. Uh, when I ranked wide receivers at, at Bleeding Green, uh, Bleeding Green Nation, you know he again, you know he ran four four two. He had, you know, he had a four second twenty yard shuttle, which is the best, the, tied for best of the combine. I mean, he had a really, really good year. And then when you look at his production, you know, uh, and he had a great bowl game and everything like that. You wanted to, you know, go back to look at him, see what you missed. Um, and, and the thing is with the combine, that's really important is you never, you never want to count it twice with a guy. If you don't, if if you have a player and he looks really, really good at something on tape. Um, you're not going to be surprised when he does that same thing at the combine. Mm-hmm. But when he, when you don't see that on tape and then he blows up the combine, you're like, all right, you know, where, where did I go wrong? Because either there is some kind of horrible evaluation along the way, or, or this guy is just a workout warrior. He did a great job, you know, during the preparation process. You know, or did it take this long to unlock his athleticism? There's a lot of different factors that go into it. Um, but a big thing at the combine is are guys testing in what they did well on tape? And that is why I think that um, Galvin Cook's combine was so surprising. Yes. Is that, you know, Cook, I mean, Cook was, Cook was a monster at Florida State, and a big part of his game was his long speed, his home run threat ability. And, yeah, he ran a 4-4-8-40, which is, which is really good. Um, but the broad jump was bad. The three-cone, the, I think the only players who had worse three-cones at the running back position were two fullbacks and Devion Smith, who weighs about 300 pounds. Um, and, and that's like, where is this, you know, where is this lack of athleticism coming from? You know, there's a rumor that he might show up at the, you know, he might've been hurt at the mm-hmm. combine, um, which would have been, you know, which would have made sense, but that's, a, that's the thing where you, you get a little bit nervous and kind of wait on the pro day to see maybe if he can improve his numbers to the pro day. But Dalvin Cook is a guy who kind of raised some questions for himself. Um, well, but, and, and I mean, with that too, cause, and, and that's been, that's been kind of a lot of the discussion we've been having a lot on the show too. Is just it, it, trying to exactly figure out how much of that stuff really does matter. And I think what you're pointing out, especially, is why the combine is important. You want to, you're like, whoa, hold on a second. What what did we miss there? Like you're right, it could be injury, it could be a lot of things, or like we've we've said this before, Ben. It could be Roderick Johnson, who's the Florida State left tackle. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like there there are all these different 
kind of things when you sometimes when you have to go back and, and look at it. And the same thing with Chris Godwin, because when I look at Chris Godwin and you throw in that first Michigan game and that's kind of your first impression of it, you're like, yeah. Yeah, all right, it's there. There's not a lot of separation, and then you find out you go back. You're like, oh, okay, actually, wow, he 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 really he really did well. He really, you know, and, and a lot of that stuff. So when I look at you know those things, and and there's there's still we're still kind of up in the air uh, about Christian McCaffrey, and when they're turning and when McCaffrey's turning in a better combine than Dalvin Cook, what does that say to you? How should I be reacting to that? Well, I I think that's more. I think that's more. Christian McCaffrey kind of confirming himself as being, you know, a top four, top three running back in this class, even I, and with, I mean, with cook, I think there are a lot of outside factors where it's kind of hard to gauge where he's at. Um, and because he, he does have that injury history. Um, he was nicked up while he was at Florida state, but I mean, McCaffrey is a guy, I mean, it was funny after the first day or the second day of the combine, you know, he measured, he was 202 pounds. He only did 10 reps on the bench press and people were losing it. They're like, this guy, he's not an NFL running, but he's not a starting NFL running back. He's a guy you give 10 carries a game and he's mostly a pass catcher and everything like that. It's like, listen, Christian McCafferty <laughs> ran for over 3,600 yards in probably the most pro style running offense in college football. You know, yes. Stanford football is line them up, knock them down, you know, you know, running right in between the tackles. I mean, there is no more, besides maybe Alabama, there is no more pro-style running game in college football. And Christian McCaffrey carried the load for, for Stanford over the past two years, and he was awesome. And to say, oh, he's only going to be catching passes in the NFL, this guy is basically Danny Woodhead or Deion Lewis or something. It's like, what What are you talking about? <laughs> this, this guy, is a, he's proved he can carry the load. He's proved he can work. At, he, he's a home run threat who can also get consistent yardage down to down. Um, and really the only question for him was, you know, not if he was a good athlete. It was how good of an athlete is he? Um, and he shows up. He absolutely kills the 40-yard dash time. He has, I think, the second best three cone drill in uh in the past yeah since 2003 or six or something like that yeah so 15 years only only one running back has posted a better three cone than him he had a great you know great shuttle times great i mean around around the board he was awesome and then he had a 37.5 inch vertical jump which was second best among running backs this uh this year so i mean this dude proved he's a great athlete he has the production to back it up and then he goes out there and he kills all the drills and he's catching footballs like he's a wide receiver. I mean, this is a guy who can who can help your football team on every single down. He can run the football. He can catch the football. You can split him out wide. You can run him in between the tackles. And, and you know, I think the combine really, really helped him out. I don't think a lot of people were super low on him. I mean, people kind of got nervous with the with the weight and the and the bench press oh, thing. Oh, sure. Stupid. But, but, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, well, he's going to be good in some capacity. But I think this week, th- this weekend really confirmed for him that this is a legit running back prospect. Not that people really should have been doubting it before. Uh, no, but I another- think that, but I, but I really think that's, that's, again, that's late first round now. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like he solidifies that whoever's there, that's a, that's a Patriots guy. Unless, you know, the, the swap happens with this Cooks thing or whatever. That's, you know, whoever, whoever's looking for a playmaker down there. I mean, like Seattle. Seattle could easily take that guy there. I, I yeah, and that's 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 more or less to me what what that kind of did uh, as well. And I, I'm 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 gonna say something dirty to the the Philadelphia Eagles fan base right now because it involves a USC helmet. But I can't not love Juju Smith. <laughs> 
I can't oh, help yeah. it. I can't help it. Like I, I, you look at his tape, you go back and you see, wow, that is that is a, a way more impressive than uh, Nelson Aguilar showed on his. I mean, he comes in today, you know, and again, he's six two, he's two twenty, so he's running a four five four forty. He's got a, a, an average vertical, which is fine for that size. And why why is it? I mean, like, it, but it makes me nervous at the same time because it's not just the Eagles; it's USC in general. What's what is kind of the dangers of of logo scouting, or when it comes to USC, should you not worry about that and don't select USC players? Um, I I I don't like logo scouting because that that gets you caught up in some pretty bad traps. Because it, you know if people if people aren't drafting like Melvin Gordon because of Monty Ball, or people aren't drafting, uh, you know if people aren't drafting uh, what's his name, if people aren't drafting Kareem Jackson yes. because of mm-hmm. a bunch of or. You know, or people aren't drafting like C.J. Mosley because of uh, Orlando McLean, or people aren't drafting even Reuben Foster because of Orlando McLean. You know, every team has like different players that people get nervous. Oh, here's a good one. What if what if Dallas was like, you know, maybe we shouldn't draft Ezekiel Elliott because Beanie Wells didn't work out. It's like, <laughs> like what do you like? You don't you don't look at the helmet. You look at the player by player basis and. Nobody should be watching Juju Smith-Schuster and be like, oh, yeah, that, that's Nelson Aguilar. No, Juju Smith-Schuster is bench-pressing cornerbacks at the line, mm-hmm. you know, pushing these guys into the ground in order to get separation. He's running over guys after the catch. He's not a, he's not a big speed. I mean, he's not a speedster, but he's fast for his size. He's really well-built. He's incredibly, incredibly physical, and he's very strong. You know, this isn't, this isn't, you know, this is not Marquise Lee. This is not Nelson Aguilar. This is a, this is his own player. And we're talking about a guy who posted 1400 yards receiving at the age of 18 years old uh, at the college level. That is practically unheard of from a production standpoint. All of, all of the, all of the green lights are there for Juju Smith Schuster and people getting nervous about him are honestly just getting nervous about his, combine we're talking about you know a 20 year old prospect who's almost who's basically 220 pounds runs four five four and is strong as an ox and why wouldn't you want to draft that guy yeah yeah and and that's where it comes to with a lot of this stuff here i mean if they really do if for some reason howie and the boys and and joe want to get crazy here you have brandon cooks and you have one of these guys in the second round man oh man is that a cornerstone for your offer i mean not not necessarily that you want to do that in general anyway going wide receiver wide receiver there but I, I, I really am getting excited about this class in terms of value, not necessarily like specialness, but there is a lot of depth there. There's a lot of interesting players. I know you mentioned Zay Jones and things like that. Um, that you know, I, I really do feel confident that they will come away with somebody that, and it doesn't have to be Cordes, doesn't have to be, you know, John Ross, even though we essentially want those guys in there. But uh, uh, please do go follow Ben. He's got uh, some great takes at the Benetton. Uh, and it's uh, essential for combine. And uh, just one last question before uh, we're heading out here, Ben, is what, what are you looking forward to in the next couple of days? Is it going to be the pass rushers? Is it going to be the DBs? Where are you looking for uh, next, my friend? Well, I'm uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow is my favorite day of the combine because you get to see those big boys run really fast. And and I'm I'm thinking about Miles Garrett. I'm thinking about Takaris McKinley, Solomon Thomas, Carl Lawson. I mean, there are some freak athletes among these defensive linemen Malik McDowell we're talking 270 to 300 pound guys who are going to be running sub four seven I mean it's going to be it's going to be a show I think this is one of the more impressive I think overall this is one of the best classes I've looked at you know in a in a long time and from a defensive standpoint just the the defensive linemen and also the cornerbacks in this class are absolutely astounding so tomorrow I'm going to be excited about watching these defensive linemen tests 
And then on Monday, watching guys like Tease Tabor and Marshawn Lattimore mm-hmm. uh, go through the drills is going to be really exciting because those, those are some really impressive athletes at the cornerback position. Absolutely, and the Eagles desperately need them. From BleedingGreenNation.com, lead draft writer, Mr. Ben Deton, we thank you so much, buddy. Thanks for uh, joining us right here on uh, WIP. Yeah, you have a great night. Uh, so there he is. No, Titus, if, I, if, if you had to guess how old Ben is, what would you say? Because uh, it's, got, it's got a lot of knowledge in that noggin. How do you think Ben is? Uh, between 25 and 30. How about 20? Bang. Wow. I like it. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. I like it. It's got a head like full it. of, uh, you know, uh, very eloquent things that were never in my head at 20. Awesome. Hell, they're, they're not even there at 33. Awesome. So. I, I love it. Very exciting for that. Uh, Titus, what do you think? We'll talk a little bit. Uh, we'll get into some Sixer stuff, too, because uh, I'm I think we just got to vent for a little bit, maybe, uh, after this week. Yeah, sure. And uh, we'll get into a lot of us. John Barchard here with you until 10 right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP.